Um, hi guys, welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Saturday, March 25th, 2023. Um, I'm very excited today because I am here with my new friend, Nisa. Everyone, um, please say hello to Nisa Neza. Hi guys. <laughs> I'm geeking out so hard right now because I am an avid listener of Stargirl. I'm a major fan of Stargirl. Um, it's how Emma and I entered each other's lives because I reach at, reached out and was like, oh my God, I love Stargirl. I love everything you're doing. Can you come be on my podcast? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just surreal just listening to her do <laughs> the, like your little intro and the day and welcome back to Star. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, well, thank you. Thank you for being here. You guys, Nisa is the host of Can't Take Me Anywhere. I was just saying this to her, but Can't Take Me Anywhere, which is very different in setup than Stargirl. It was so hilarious when I came over and um, let me know if I can disclose this. Nisa yeah. has this lovely, sunny apartment yeah. and with and such a <laughs> relaxed setup where Aww. we just get to sit on the couch and recline and yeah. her mic stands just come to you. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and none you. of the cords or the screens or the buttons are like... Right. even in your in your zone yeah. and I was so struck by it and then you yeah. said to me oh well yeah I mean you know I don't I don't really do the like Joe Rogan sit yeah. up straight get notes put on headphones and I was like oh I absolutely do the Joe Rogan <laughs> I am going full <laughs> Joe Rogan in my house <laughs> like, I I like okay it's game time babe yeah like, it's, it's headphones fun. are on totally different formats <laughs> yeah I kind of want people to like forget they're on a podcast when they're on my podcast you know well yes <laughs> All, all to say, welcome, Nisa. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm, Thank you for having me. I'm seriously honored. Aww. Um, okay. Well, anyways, so you guys, today we're going to be talking about Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Um, I feel like Lana Del Rey is someone who so many people feel so strongly about and feel yeah. such a deep personal connection mm-hmm. to that there's never going to be um, like the, what's the word, like the definitive piece on Lana Del Rey right right it's kind of impossible Mm. so I see this as us again similar to how I kicked off the Lena Dunham is this is Lana Del Rey part one of infinity right Right, it's like um we bring to the table our perspective on what she means to us what she represents in culture writ large and um yeah it's just kind of an infinite exploration yeah which is why she's such a star girl she's such a poster child I think for it because I don't think I've ever met anyone who who really knows of her and then uh doesn't have strong opinions totally it seems like everyone either hates her or they adore her you know yeah I I agree with that very polarizing I don't think anyone is like has nothing to say about her you know and I also think that she's someone who even if you have very limited interaction with her work you yeah. have a strong feeling about you know I yeah. think that her I mean we'll get into this but like the um she leads with such a strong for lack of a better word like aesthetic effect yeah, even like if you an, just see an image an of her aura an aura her. yeah totally. that's so true people who have only listened to like two of her songs have a really strong opinion about really strong about impression that's, about her that's a really great point yeah um Anyways, so I guess that's kind of a disclaimer in a way. Um, Wondering if there's any Stargirl news that you want to bring to the table. Lana Records. I mean, I'm obsessed. (laughs) 
I love, I love. And we, I love. I, we couldn't have planned this better. This has been on the calendar for probably six weeks or something. And at least I didn't know the release date. No, she's a saint. Point. She's yeah. a saint. We prayed yeah. and she delivered. <laughs> no, it's really wonderful. Um, I know. It's crazy. We, we really did plan this like weeks and weeks ago. And I did not know that this would be the release date. So yeah. This is, um, yeah. And, yeah. Uncanny timing. And yeah, we had like 24 hours of like homework. Yeah. And analysis. So like it was like perfect. Yeah. Like they got it's a good record. I'm down to binge this several times before mm-hmm. um, coming over. But yeah. Um, okay. Well then we can get right into it. The just, there's just one item about Star Girl news yeah. that I have, which is that Julia Please. Fox is writing a book. Yes. So I think it's called like Down the Drain or something. Oh my god. It comes out in October. So okay. I can't wait. Is it like memoir vibes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Simon and Schuster is publishing it. So That's it's a, a very big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal and I guess it doesn't surprise me because she is now like kind of a household name right and it's highly sellable but to think of her art book you know self-publishing past yeah it's like I'm wondering how she will attempt to retain the image of herself as just kind of like Mm. gutter rat street kid when Simon & Schuster is publishing her book not that there's not precedent for people like making that type of ascent. Mm. But I think I'm just particularly interested in how people navigate. Yeah, that that like insider outsider mm. vibe, right? Because she is obviously very like rejecting of kind of mainstream Hollywoodized culture in so many ways, even as she like now has access to it. Right. And so I'm like, oh, damn, like, you know, my inkling would be there's going to be almost like a diary sense about it mm, like a journalist yeah. like a journal like something something of that nature i this just popped into my head did yeah. you see like this is probably like <laughs> six months ago she posted i think on her story where she was like i can't believe i have to say this stop calling or texting me like stop asking me to hang out i'm I working on my book yeah and i like had reposted it and like wrote over <laughs> book like podcast yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's just so funny it's just so julia and i like i hope that yeah i hope that she kind of retains her kind of unhinged like new york girl like i'm, I'm a mess kind of tone in the writing i hope that she's not trying to like grow up and Mm. reflect kind of a thing Mm. you know what I'm saying yeah like because I can see how someone like her also like wants to be like taken seriously like I'm Mm. a writer like that feels like I can see that for Julia where she's like oh no like Emily Ratajkowski's rubbed off on her exactly yeah like literally like I think the girlies are spending a little too much time together and I think Julia's like I want it like I'm I'm doing like the voice and they also like bring out the worst in each other do you know what I mean? Like, they're both rubbing off negatively. I know. Because, my- like, Emily Ratajkowski, when she tries to get down and dirty, it's just so uncomf. Yes. <laughs> like- I know. My sister my sister um, was ranting to me about their, uh, their episode? Embrada episode yeah. together. And she it's was so scrunched. She was like, I, she was like they, I can't believe that they're just like, yeah, like, I learn about everything through TikTok. It, it's just like all their points of reference for anything is TikTok. <laughs> and they and then they like you know they like yes and each other about mm, that which mm-hmm. is really like, I'm like you guys that's are- actually kind of cute they did like improv 101 they're like plus like feminism 101 plus like mom momming momming and then like commiserating about writing a book yeah it's yeah no. yeah it's not the best anyways whatever <laughs> yes i know what you mean <laughs> um okay well let's just go let's just 
jump in. Do you feel ready for the Lana? I literally have been waiting. You've been like chomping at the bit. Okay, okay, okay. okay, Okay. So um, today we're going to be talking about Lana Del Rey. Um, I guess my first question is who is Lana Del Rey? And I ask that because um, I mean, one thing we talk about on Stargirl is like. looking at different people if they have kind of one craft or vocation Mm. or if it feels very diffuse and, um, you know, they have kind of many different identities that are under the umbrella of them as a, you know, public persona. Mm. And so with Lana Del Rey, um, well, maybe I'll just ask you, like, yeah, yeah, who is Lana Del Rey and what is her craft? Yeah, Lana Del Rey is a singer, and it's I say that with hesitation because she is one of the few people that I've ever had a, you know, an internal sense that she picked the wrong medium. Oh, so interesting. An artist who picked the wrong medium, um, which is kind of an interesting thing to explore. And mind you, I say this as someone who is a big fan of Lana's and a big fan of, of her music. So I'm glad that her music exists. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a sense that... Um, for me, at least, that she might have been better off being an actress mm. or a filmmaker. Mm. There's a, a deeply kind of cinematic quality to her approach. And, you know, I think we can all agree, like, Lana doesn't have, like, the best pipes in the world. Like, she's not, like, from a technical standpoint, like, mm. the, an amazing singer, you know. And there's a lot of kind of... Uh, controversy about her live presence Mm, that she like mm -hmm. just is a a kind of objectively bad live um I haven't seen her live myself actually so I I don't know from first person yeah the reason I asked the question of like what is her craft it was like exactly what you were getting at like um I think the the narrowest read is her as a singer I think that people also have a lot of attachment to her as a songwriter as well which that's super important about um I think the like visual piece is huge Mm -hmm. um and I think that it's interesting you say like you think she picked the wrong medium because I think that she has always had like image making as a huge part of what she's putting forward in her music video in the way she self styles like I think the visuals are a huge piece of totally the world she's building yeah um and I also think you brought this up the word cinematic is maybe like the most often yeah ascribed word to like I don't know if I've ever read a review of her that doesn't explicitly call out this quote-unquote cinematic quality of her music right so that's a whole world to delve into so totally um but yeah I I do think that she is someone for me who I would put more in the camp of like um I won't say calling it like multi-hyphenate artist rather than one singular craft Mm. um you you would you would put her more in the multi multi yeah I think I feel like saying she like maybe if we say she's a musician that feels adequate Uh but I think her legacy will be what you already pointed out to like the aura or the mood that she cast Mm. rather than just um the songs that she wrote yes I agree with that for sure anyways um Oh my gosh, we, we you brought up so many things. I don't even know where to start. I guess maybe just like very easy foreground to getting, yeah. foregrounding to get out of the yeah. way is um like what makes her a star girl to you? Yeah, I mean I think definitely those um 
the kind of obvious that we addressed at the very top this idea that like she just is a polarizing figure mm-hmm. clearly people just have strong visceral reactions to her yeah um uh i think she's there's something really i think electric like magnetizing mm-hmm. about her you kind of can't look away you don't want to look away um she's been on the scene for over a decade now damn long time (laughs) yeah and she keeps going like she just keeps releasing music um she kind of has maintained relevance through it all um interestingly she hasn't really become like you know chart topper like she's not like sweeping the grammys or like a billboard top 10 you know it's totally but she always kind of stayed and i think it's because you know, this idea that you explore in Stargirl being peerless, mm-hmm. being someone who's in a league of their own. And I think that that is what has kept Lana relevant, you know, in general to the culture, but also like has given her this kind of Stargirl status is um, no one quite does what she does definitely and i think it's like not even a quite thing i don't think that there's anyone that is very useful to compare her to you know if you look at i mean not that this is the (laughs) authority but like spotify like like related artists or whatever is like psycho it's It's like it's they'll put like like mitski it's always fucking mitski and i'm like not at all (laughs) like like, i'm a major lana fan i i honestly can't get through like a mitski song i can't get a single through through a single single song of hers okay that's very interesting and I mean you know my my position on on Mitski but I think I mean I see the impulse to compare just in terms of like a project of kind of like high lyricism kind of girl in your bedroom kind of just like the melodrama that is like elevated into this kind of like operatic artful arena yeah due to its like um cinematic qualities or something atmosphere and the atmosphere yeah but I don't think that they are creating similar aesthetic worlds at all no i feel like if those two girls were in a room together they'd have nothing to talk about (laughs) yeah no that would just be like a miss a total miss (laughs) um but you know it's funny on my way here i was really scratching my head trying to think of like is there anyone that i feel like and the closest I could get is Lucky Lee. That was, that was the closest, kind of like if you guys are familiar, like yeah. kind of the sadness is a blessing mm. vibe, like that Lucky has in her music. This idea of like woman dealing with tragic romance, woman processing like like the world's never gonna kind of like let me have it all. Like that's kind of like a doomed woman. Is yeah, kind okay, of a the doomed Lucky woman. Vibe. I definitely think that there's a huge lineage of doomed women yeah that lana fits into but i think um aesthetically there's just like no one who is doing what she's doing at the kind of stage of it right like even these Mm. people mitski and i actually never knew that's how you like said her name i would always say like oh likely licky lee yeah 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 Uh, yeah i think it's like licky lee i think that's how she actually says it but whatever whatever yeah (laughs) um like they are like so on a different stage level than Lana Del Rey you know and then also this is so random now but like um I sent you that tweet this morning about comparing her to Joanna Newsom yeah that's what started my spiral was that tweet you sent me well it feels like any of these people that we've said and anyone that anyone tries to compare Lana to it's like it always feels out of left field you know David this morning was saying like what about Fiona Apple and I'm like whoa okay let me 
dive into that, you know? So these, there's so, and again, these all, all these people that we're discussing are in the doomed women category. Yeah. But But the, like the textures that they're playing with and the images are so different. So different. And, um, and I do think that Lana, as opposed to all of those four women we just talked about, does have more of a like pop culture sheen to her than, Mm. um, than any of them like she she retains an enormous amount of grittiness which makes her stand up among Mm. stand out among other pop stars of like maybe her fame level yeah but um she is you know it does feel all very glossed over and kind of hollywoodized yeah i also think like like when i think of like lee's music when i think of fiona apple's music like these are people um their lyrics are deeply personal Mm. and it feels like a lot of their reference point is kept within the scope of their lives Mm. whereas like Lana is constantly speaking to America like she's speaking to this like lineage of music and movies and images that have come before her Mm -hmm. she's constantly um exploring place yeah and that for me is like a really big differentiator with with lana is that like she gives strangers a lot of reference points Mm. to relate to her on that are beyond her like immediate personal life do you know what I mean I absolutely agree and I also think the scope of tragedy for her is at once very interior and also very societal right it's like the I mean like the if we were gonna say like the number one theme is like the decline of America right and just like that the the pathos is so magnificent to her whereas like a Mitski or a Fiona Apple it's much more interior and kind of like I don't know the daydreaminess is just much closer scope I guess yes I oh yeah that's a great great point okay well another point you brought up is her well this actually is kind of the same point but the peerlessness yeah I definitely I agree with yeah um and also we mentioned just ability to generate conversation yeah so that there's no one who we've encountered who kind of like no one doesn't feel a way about Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Um, Just, yeah, it's so interesting. It's really interesting to me sometimes how strongly men feel about her. A lot of men just have such an aversion to her. Mm. And that is so interesting to me. Because it's like, what is it about her that they can't? bear like it's like they can't bear like there's so there's something so and I don't know if it's that like it's her or if it's like the idea of what she inspires in the women who listen to her what do you think she inspires Mm, or what would be the like hateable character that that she inspires the sad girl perhaps is like the put off I think it could also be I think a big thing for me why I'm intrigued by Lana is I think that she's really one of these people that's curious about self-invention. And, um, you know, it's funny because like at once her image is very kind of like the submissive woman Mm -hmm. and like the woman scorned. Um, but like left behind or like, I feel like it's always like I'm, well, I was just rewatching the ride video (laughs) this morning, but the kind of just like, you know, um, belong to no one belong to everyone like I'm the other woman like I have no agency yeah um 
Yeah. She's like the woman that the man will, like the mistress that yeah. he ultimately doesn't commit to. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like she inspires this new sense of life and longing in him. And then he's like, oh, actually, though, that's not a wife. You know what I mean? Like that Do you kind think of, a, of Lana as a femme fatale? Um, that's a great question. I'm hesitant to say that she is because I don't think she's as siren-y mm. as a femme fatale typically ought to be. Mm-hmm. I think like the femme fatale tends to be a bit, have a bit more grit in mm. her. And I don't think Lana is quite that, there's something softer. Yeah, I don't there's think that she has like, I don't think she's like a dangerous woman. Right. Really. Like I do think that there's darkness in her and I think like a deep um, kind of like self-destructiveness. Yeah. But I don't think of her as like, she's going to ruin your life. I think when you were saying right. like, that the submissiveness that's still there, like right. it's more like she'll just ultimately not get chosen or something right. rather than like she's going to um, like ruin your life. Right. And like it, it speaks to that like a motif that's come up on Stargirl, mm. which is like your idea of like, if you were kind of like in a fight with this person, how would they react? Oh. Like, are they going to, you know, fight or are they like fight or flight kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, and I think Lana's a total flight. She's person, a total flight. Yeah. Which is also why, like when she has engaged, I think like, it's always such a mess. Like when, like these Instagram like posts that she's made where she's like trying to kind of like defend herself. Mm. It's just like, it, it flops because it's- Okay. Well, I'm still on requested. So I actually have never seen any of these. She <laughs> hasn't accepted my request either. Okay. And it drives me insane. I'm like such a stan and I don't, but I, I've seen the screenshots on, articles yeah (laughs) (laughs) um um no but to what you were saying about the like kind of like fight or flight like explosion or just kind of like drift off like um I feel like (laughs) like when I think not like literally but like cinematically about like what would Lana Del's done oh my gosh what would Lana Del Rey's death look like it's not like a (laughs) it's not not like I thought you were gonna say (laughs) it's not like a self-combustion right it's like a drowning Mm. Oh my God, she's she's yeah. so it, likely to drown. It's so um, Ophelia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a she's a total Ophelia. Character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the vibe. Um, but I'm sorry, I got us sidetracked. Mm-hmm. We started this by talking about men's reactions to yeah. her. Um, I the the uh, one thing else that I want to say is when men, <laughs> I have encountered this myself. Yeah, that if I've had a conversation with a man where. I'm like, yeah, I am a Lana Del Rey fan. Um, And then they're like trying to kind of like they're not subverting, uh, being subversive. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, oh, yeah, like Lana Del Rey, like school. Um, There's (laughs) always kind of like this charitable Oh. Like I always read this like in their tone that they feel like they're being like charitable to me that I'm not, you know, like when men sometimes like like straight guys are like, Oh, like yeah, I don't like zodiacs are cool. Like I oh, get it. You know oh yeah, I they're mean? they're like I can get down with. Yeah, yeah. like they're like, they're like I'm not one of the guys that's it's gonna kinda, make you feel like shit for asking me yeah, my zodiac. It's like, oh, yoga is actually really great. Yeah, yeah, like I get I get it. Yeah. You know, like that's how that's the tone that I read in men who also are like Lana. She's not that bad. I get it. I can understand like the vibe. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, this is so interesting because yeah. I feel like she started out as an artist for like 
straight, dreamy, depressive teenage girls. Yeah. And then she became kind of like a queer icon in some yeah. ways. I feel like gay men are just like, Mother Lana, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, totally. blah. And in recent years, probably like Norman Rockwell on or mm-hmm. even just chemtrails on, mm-hmm. now there's like this resurgence of like straight men being like, I feel like a lot of straight guys and to be into Lana Del Rey signals your deep understanding of like the sublime and sensuality that like other Mm. people just can't get and so I do think that while Lana Del Rey Mm. obviously has massive widespread success and um like I think that there is still like a cultish kind of exclusive at least internet-y fandom around her that increasingly is made up of straight guys when it used to be like bedroomy teenage girls Yes. And but do you know what I mean? I do know what you what you mean and I think it's a really interesting point. I think it's become more acceptable over the years to um respect her artistry. Definitely. I think early on there was this idea of like she's an amateur mm-hmm. and um yeah, this kind of thing of only a depressed teenage girl could see this as high art. Yeah. But I think over the years I think you know, she has kind of, in a sense, proven mm-hmm. herself and like proven the fact that like, no, I, I am an artist. Like yeah. I am, and I'm going to keep doing what I do. I think people kind of were waiting for her to just kind of like give up and go away. <laughs> and then totally. she never did. And then she never did. And then it was kind of like, oh, and then each record kept being different mm-hmm. from the lot. La- I mean, there's a lot of sound that of course is like the through line throughout, but I think like each record really stands alone as its own kind of piece of art and its moment in time. And it, they all kind of explore different themes. Um, and I think that that has like made people respect her more. Yeah. I was um, thinking about this this morning, what you're describing. I think of Lana Del Rey as very much a tapestry artist mm. who like the each each piece, each album or even each song like is doing its part to, um, you know, put like, like it's creating its own little mini piece of the quilt or something. Yeah. But you can't really see the until you see it in its entirety, it doesn't really make sense, you know? Mm. So I'm not saying, like, when she did, like, Born to Die, she had this grand vision of, like, this, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, love song to fading Americana that she was going to put together for us. But at least looking back, it now makes a ton of sense. But at the time was like, wait, where are you, like, where is this going? And what is this even in reference to? Right. You know, and it's interesting. I was watching, as I said, I was rewatching all those early videos Mm -hmm. this morning. I was watching Ride and that, music video is so like open road like biker's girlfriend like the like you know her wandering around like deserted LA and you know in like Daisy Dukes and a white shirt and high top red converse and like you know it's it's like did she foretell you know past couple of years resurgence of interest in Americana and fading Americana but at the time when that came out it was just like it felt very urban outfitters e. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that oh, that, like, cheapness yeah, and, like... she was coinciding with kind of, like, the Urban Outfitters hipster era. Oh, my God, yeah, like, that era of Coachella a little yeah. bit. Yeah, wait, that's such a good point, because I think that's why people, like, there there was such an aversion, because she was kind of, like... It's kind perif- of cheap Peripherally part of this, like, annoying Brooklyn, like, the Brooklyn Baby, like, heard mm. that song, and, and yeah. kind of, like, that annoying 
But it's interesting because she made that song and that song was kind of making fun mm. of that, that moment that of hipster, hipsterdom. Yeah. hipsterdom. Um, so I think she was trying to kind of like remove herself, be like, no, I that's not me. Like I see that and I don't feel connected to it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not connected to like girls with feathers in their hair. In their, yeah. But then she was like the girl with flowers in her hair. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a very interesting. I was talking to a friend who is not into Lana Del Rey okay. and has never been. And um, I was asking her what she didn't like about her. And uh-huh. I don't think she has been because she like has a, a kind of a natural aversion to her. I don't think she's like, you know, seriously invested in any of the stuff she's done recently. But she was like, I just don't really get the look. Like, I think we're done with like lipstick and flower crowns. And I was like, oh, well, I don't even associate Lana Del Rey today with lipstick and flower crowns. But I can transport myself back to, I don't know, 2012 to 2015 and remember being intensely like confused and kind of like eye-rolly about that. I mean, the way that her her image has evolved over the years is a whole other kind of can of worms. Um, I think, you know, there was a part with this kind of self-creation theme that mm-hmm. it, I mentioned. I think I loved when I was younger, like how uh, intentional mm. she seemed to be about her appearance. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think there was something really like beautiful about it to me that she was kind of like, like, this is what I'm doing. Like kind of, you know what I mean? Like the, like, I, I am crafting this persona. Mm. Um, and it is at once me and an exaggeration of me. Like it's yeah. both. Um, and then over the years, like I think I've just, like, I hate like the, I just hate like the jean shorts and the flannel shirt. Like I'm just oh, like, that's so bad. like, I want, like I, she is someone who I want to embody glamour mm-hmm. and she's keeps kind of like moving away from glamour. Like I think she's almost like kind of like, she's trying to lean more into like trailer park girl yeah, vibes for sure. And I, I just, for my personal taste, I'm like, can we go back to like you, you wanting to kind of emulate like screen sirens, like yeah. that vibe. Totally. You know? Like all of the different videos where she's like um, super backlit on a pitch black stage and her earrings are twinkling and it's her in a bandstand mic yeah. and like and with like the, the lashes. The perfect wave oh and God. not a single hair is out of form, you totally. know, kind of that. Um I don't like the stripped downness. Mm. I don't think it suits her. I don't think it suits her either. I think she. Yeah. I mean, she also has really let her look deteriorate, right? Which is yeah. another thing that we can get into. But yeah. um, so that is part of it. Um, but and actually, an interesting point about that. Like, I'm curious. If, I feel like people are more comfortable liking her now that she's less like manicured in a way like I think she's like that's so true there's this other level of like edge and artistry that she's Mm. unlocked Mm. as she's really let herself go yeah maybe she's on to something (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe and then like I also think that people ascribe more um you know she seems more unknowable when she's as like stripped down where I think is like the oh. when she was really skinny and like just kind of like perfectly manicured in for in her styled way I think that oh people yeah. like it was kind of just like more basic or something you know you could put her in a box she could put her in a box like. and it, now it, it's like who is this woman yeah. with all of this like um who who is kind of like prophetic and so highly sensual 
Oh my God, that's such a good point. Because like to me, her current kind of aesthetic, I suppose, has mm-hmm. become so scattered that mm. it turns me off. Oh, interesting. But not like in the sense of like, oh, now I don't like her anymore. But you know what I mean? Like I, I liked the singularness of how she used to kind of present herself visually. Mm-hmm. And now it just feels like it's like so scattered and brained and messy to me. But but oh, now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I can see how that makes her seem more elusive and interesting. Whereas mm-hmm. before it was more kind of like, oh, that girl kind of a thing. Like, yeah. That, like, I get the vibe. It's kind of, I yeah. get the vibe and I don't like it. And you get kind of, like, the desperation of just, like, the young next hot thing trying to make it, you yeah. know, that's kind of, as you yeah. said, like, very easy to categorize. Yeah. Um, I should have asked you this at the beginning, but I'm curious, okay. like, how you first um, got into Lana, if it was, like, a steadfast loyalty to her all the way up. Like, just how has your relationship to her, what you – like project onto her and like how Mm. and also how um sorry i'm asking a million questions at once but like do you feel similar to her and Hmm. if so like in what ways interesting um and i would love to hear you answer all of that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm like very curious of, of how you feel about all that for yourself um I discovered Lana right, uh, you know, at at the time video games came out. And I was probably, I think, in my early teens. I think I was like 13, 12, 13 around that time when video games came out. And I just remember sitting at my, like, family's computer and just watching that on repeat. Like, literally. Like, I – and it's funny because I remember this early interview with Lana, like, years ago. And she called it – Remember when she had that like voice also she used to put on? She was like a little yeah. higher register, you know? It's like, right. It's well, very much not the way she naturally speaks clearly. Yeah. Uh, and there was, I think part of what made that stand out was like the shock value of then hearing her singing voice, which at the time she was going so like low and sultry. Yeah. And so it would always be like, hi, I'm Lana Del Rey. Yeah. You know? Like, and it was like, whoa. You know? <laughs> very confusing yeah (laughs) yeah um but she I remember her describing um her videos as video collages Mm -hmm. um I think and that was very much like what I interpreted them like this beautiful moving collage full of nostalgia and there's so much found footage and just like yeah I definitely see the collage it also for me personally coincided with my um a decision to pursue film and like kind mm. of like love of like real deep love of cinema starting and so like it at the same time that I'm discovering Lana I'm also you know discovering French new wave mm. um and all you know and there was a way that like for me growing up I didn't really f- relate to or feel represented by like women in American media oh interesting um but but I remember like the ecstasy for me of discovering French new wave and seeing Anna Karina Mm -hmm. and being like oh like that's my kind of girl and getting more into like um old Hollywood and and kind of just like the women of that era and I felt very seen by those women um in a way that I didn't feel by modern American media and so and we one thing on that like who would you say were like the kind of like modern American pop stars or just like women in the media that Lana Del Rey felt disruptive or separate from I mean like the Taylor Swifts of or Beyonce or definitely the Taylor Swifts like the kind of I think at that time it was like Katy Perry, mm. Taylor Swift. There was also like, you know, you're riding the heels of like 
the Christina Aguilera era, mm. the Britney Spears era, like a lot of blondes. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Shout out Alex Earl episode. Um, <laughs> a lot of blondes, honestly, at that time. And, and just kind of like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the American girl next door. Oh, yeah. It was very girl. It very was, kind of like hosting a car wash. Yeah. Very kind of. Uh, Jessica um, Simpson. Totally. Wet t-shirt contest yeah. type of girls. And yeah. it was just like, you know, I'm the daughter of Eastern European immigrants. Like those women are not women that I feel like I can Related relate to. to. Yeah. That kind of like LA affectation voice is mm-hmm. like a voice. Like I just was like, what's going on? I guess like, what's now become like Y2K yeah, you know, the whole, like Paris but Hilton, it actually when whole, it was happening yeah, exactly. is different than how we've now like reclaimed it. Literally, like the yeah. Paris Hilton, that whole thing, yeah. and it was just kind of like I didn't see myself in any of it. Um, and so I started then discovering. Then I started like went decades back, and then all of a sudden I felt like seen and represented by these women, the way they were represented, the way they were representing themselves, and then. I think that's where Lana was so deep for me because I could see in her the same nostalgia that I was feeling for mid-century yeah. America. Yeah, yeah, and this i and this idea of um, gratitude for mystery. Oh, this sense of like, oh, there's something deeper going on, and there's kind of this like ineffable magic to mm. life, and there's this kind of like nostalgic mystery about existence and identity and romance um and that was just like it's a hard thing to describe I think it's like a longing oh and yeah. I felt the longing in her that I clearly had within myself that's so interesting <laughs> this, this this friend of mine that I was just mentioning yeah. who doesn't like Lana so much she was fleshing that out for me and she said like her project just feels too remote um, and she's like, some people might say it's dreamy, but for me, I'm just like, it's kind of poorly articulated. And I think that that is, um, wow. I, I so disagree. That's, well, that's I would, so interesting. that's what I said to her. I was like, I think so many people feel like it's actually so highly evocative. And so we were coming yeah. to maybe it's just a difference of taste and what yeah. she is evoking and the, the longing, the abstractness that is so, uh, such a crucial part of her aesthetic project um, maybe just feels like there's no payoff for some people mm. for their tastes or what they want to be like articulated more explicitly. Um, but yeah, this the eternal longing, I think. Yeah. I definitely understand. Also, one point on the blondes. Yeah. Since we were talking about this earlier, <laughs> yes, yes. her Lizzie Grant era. So bad. So Lana Del Rey's, <laughs> I mean, this is well-known lore at this point, but Lana Del yeah. Rey's like first attempt at stardom Mm -hmm. was as a blonde as a blonde (laughs) under the moniker lizzie grand yes uh what would you say about that attempt it was you know i i i just listened to the alex earl episode and you you're describing this idea of if you're gonna be blonde you have to kind of embody being blonde like it's (laughs) you know what i mean you have to rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. of blondness and it's so clearly doesn't suit Lana like when you look at the I I really get cringe when I look at the Lizzie Grant photos it, yeah it doesn't suit her facial structure it just doesn't it just is so not her like she she needs to be true to kind of like Rita Hayworth a hundred percent her thing like the Rita Hayworth to Lana Del Rey pipeline is very like it's clear very clear oh, yes. pardon very clear for me and like that Dita Von Teese. like that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is the vibe that yeah. I need her interacting with and she clearly has discovered that in the years since but when you oh god it's so bad it's so bad and it's like um 
the so she has that whole like old classic Hollywood yeah. kind of way with the perfect waves yeah, yeah, and yeah. like all of that um, and the very high contrast like very mm-hmm. perfect unblemished skin mm-hmm. and then dark makeup eyeliner yeah. lashes yeah. red lips perfect hair well, yeah but um, then especially in recent years though upon revisiting Born to Die I was like oh there was a lot of kind of like white trashy elements to mm-hmm. it that are kind of like interesting um, like percussive elements mm. when she's in her old Hollywood kind of look but when she was Lizzie Grant blonde it was just full trailer trash no interesting narrative tension right. like no and it was, I think it's all it was also secondhand embarrassing because you could see what <laughs> yeah. she was going for and yeah. that she was falling short I yeah. think that's why it's like so embarrassing to look at like you could see she her aim was modern day Maryland mm. and it was just as you're saying Swing it was animus. just giving like white trash like yeah. it was just bad um and it just felt kind of like uh, tasteless it just felt like oh this girl doesn't have good taste yeah. like how is she doing that and looks in the mirror and is like yeah this is fun you can take my photo <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like girl no it's no it's so evident it's yeah that's like I really feel that you know the movie Clueless right yeah when they see Brittany Murphy's character and they're like we gotta we gotta fix her upper <laughs> yes. that's what I feel like yeah. when I see the Lizzie Grant I'm like let me help you <laughs> yeah that's exactly it. It's definitely, a, we've got a fixer-upper on our hands for sure. <laughs> and I mean, luckily, like, someone got their hands on her and yeah. wrangled her into, like... Although I'd like to think Lana figured it out herself. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was going to bring you back to what you had talked yeah. about of the kind of self-fashioning. Yeah, and that... I think she figured it out on her own. Okay, and I'm one thing, do you think of her as more artificial feeling or more natural feeling? I think to our prior like conversation I think she kind of started high artifice and over the years she keeps inching towards nature 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 and Mm -hmm. now I think she's I don't know if I'm thinking of it as like a fixed scale in my head I think like she's kind of somewhere in the middle right now Mm -hmm. because I see elements of both still coexisting but I think she started pretty far on the artifice and is has now moved on the continuum what do you think I would agree with that um yeah, uh, it's. I haven't done the project of transporting myself back to when Lana Del Rey came on the scene yeah. in so long, but I had such a different opinion of her now, and I was very confused by what she was going for, yeah. um, probably because it was so distinct from anything else that was in the landscape. Yeah. And, um, I mean, sorry, I'm like meandering, but on the kind of nostalgia for mm-hmm. post-war America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that she, when she splashed on the scene, she was kind of out of cycle with that normal pendulum swing, right? Like, it oh, was kind yeah. of, you know... Yeah, the was, kind of recycling The of, recycling of, of like American yeah, pride, totally, right? So yeah. it's like post-9-11 rallying, but like far enough away that we're not still in that kind of like, mm. everyone has a flag, everyone... You know, mm. it was a very... I mean, her aesthetics are, like, so not Obama era. So when she came on the scene, it was like, wait, what are you exactly doing? Like, Beyonce makes sense. Rihanna makes sense. Who are, like, even Taylor Swift makes sense. Yeah. It's interesting to think, would Lana have had a very different career and reception had her, you know, had Born to Die dropped in 2002 as opposed Mm. to, like, 2011? You know what I mean? If it had just come out, like, a decade earlier. Would yeah. she be regarded really differently in the culture? That's a really interesting or like thing to five ponder. years later, you know, like or, I think yeah. it would have felt too um, 
like if ride came out when trump was in office people would have been like <laughs> how dare you yeah, be like immediately it's like full-on right wing yeah vibes. exactly yeah um huh can you um yeah indulge me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and could you do like all your little like my paradigms yeah could you do it for lana i'm really curious yeah like. um well ripe dead to start off wait should we you say them and then let's actually say it at the same time and see if we agree okay so you want me to do ripe okay. dead and then say three two one say yeah. the word okay. yeah so okay is lana del rey ripe or dead three two one ripe <gasps> Okay, so no, this is so good. Oh my god! So, what do you? Th- I would put her as somebody. Okay, now it sounds like I'm just walking it back. But um, this is why these either ors don't even work because I think of her as someone who's very close to the middle that we've talked about. I think and who, she. I think she is because too. yeah, honestly, the deadness is obviously in the subject matter, mm. but she is so physically ripe that it feels like unignorable to me like she's mm, so i see fleshy and yeah. she always has been even when she was like in her like heroin snorting days you know like yeah. she just has such a like she's so womanly yeah and so not girlish to yeah. me yeah perhaps why my instinct was to say dead mm-hmm. was that for me there's something about ripe women you know mm-hmm. when we talk about Addison Ray and folks like that mm-hmm. um there's this kind of like presence Mm. that I feel in ripeness I think ripeness for me a lot comes through where it feels like this person is here with me right now in this moment and Lana Del Rey is like is Lana Del Rey here with us right now right yeah (laughs) she's very absent deadness for me often reads as a certain level of removal from the present moment Mm. and that is for me just so apparent in Lana that I can't help but categorize her as dead Although I hear what you're saying in terms of like her, you know, physical embodiment, there's something very ripe about her. Yeah. I I think I'm going to go dead ultimately for that reason. I don't even know if I've ever um, differentiated ripe dead that way, but I do fully agree that ripeness is about a like, even less so of a present. It's like an alertness, you know? And I think... um, Okay, or like if it's like lights on, nobody's home. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. Lana Del Rey is really illusion of nobody's home. Right. Ripeness is like somebody's clearly home. I love that. It's so funny. My my brain just really got the image of like a literal little house. I know. It's really it's like, cute. Yeah. It's like, like a little light in the house. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. okay, what, what is another one? Um, <laughs> like sun vibe, moon vibe, star vibe. Okay. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. Moon. moon. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. I love that. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely moon. Vibes. Big moon vibes for yeah. her. Yeah. Face honestly looks like a moon. Yeah. Yeah. Very round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. What are even some of my other ones? Well, I guess the like fluffy, sparkly. Fluffy, sparkly. Ooh. It's um, actually crazy how in the middle she is. She's so, so sparkly and so fluffy. She's so both yeah. at the same time. <laughs> so weird. Maybe that's why she's so contentious. Because she's kind of in the middle and it's like people can just decide what they want to perceive her as almost. Mm -hmm. Well, that was I had asked you that question about like, do you feel she's like artist or muse? And I think she's so both. She's so both. And which is very hard to do in a way that's still like I think a lot of people try to be both artist and muse, i.e. Emily Ratajkowski, Julia Fox of late. Right. Like where they're trying to self author their own projections kind of you know they're kind of Mm. like oh I'm gonna tell you what to think about me right but I still want to retain 
this very like desirous quality. Right. I want to be projected upon, but mm. I want to write the script. Mm. And um, and I think that's like a widespread phenomenon more generally, right? I think there's this urge to like. I think with social media, it's also become totally. exasperated that desire to be both. Yeah, but um, with Lana, she actually very successfully and seemingly without a lot of narrative control is doing that. Like she's producing so much, she's authoring such a lush world in her music and her videos and her self-styling and yet she still remains such a big like people want to can't help themselves but project onto her yeah I think um I think Lana wants to I think that okay I'm trying to figure out how to put this I feel like she is both Mm -hmm. but instead of being the muse for the other I think she's her own muse oh interesting she's kind of is her amused to herself and to her own artist mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that's why a lot of men are turned off by her because they get the sense that like she's artist and muse like I think they can feel that about her mm-hmm. but I think they can perceive the fact that she's not trying to be my muse she kind of is like inspired by herself and I think for women there's something really like affirming about that for us on like a subconscious level and I think for men it's threatening that is so interesting and I I don't think I've ever thought about it that consciously until you were just saying that and then I was it kind of clicked for me I was like oh I think that's the key yeah that's interesting because I think like she certainly has um interpolated a like kind of male feeling gaze Mm -hmm. of her to herself You know, like, I don't think she's, like, a feminist heroine. No. No, I agree with that. But I, I, hmm. Like, I get the sense of, like, okay, where you're comparing to, for example, Julia and Amrata. Yeah. They are so, they're obviously in conversation with the male gaze, but Mm -hmm. it's, like, you clearly see how men do see them as muses. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Like, actually, like, in the flesh, men Want, are inspired by them want to make art with them want to put them in their art mm-hmm. and there's this idea with Lana oh. where no other what man can you think of that is like actually using Lana as a muse no one that's actually so she, true she, she's yeah. go she's looking at the male gaze and then it's kind of like doing this I'm thinking what's that word like refraction like yeah the, yeah yeah where like yeah. reflects refracts like it's coming back to her so like she's engaging with herself as muse but it's all kind of cycling back to herself she's her own muse she's muse for lana she's not muse for man i had never thought about like men or even just other people have kind of failed to or maybe aren't even trying to put her in their art to make her an object of desire because she's kind of like doing that herself yeah and i guess it's rare to me that i see someone self-authoring as an object of desire that it still feels like appealing and with her it really does like watching her in her videos is very arresting even Mm. as you're aware of the fact that she has like populated her videos with herself as this Mm. kind of desirous character yeah you know what I mean like um so the and I think a part of that is what we were talking about the kind of absence of her and the forlornness that doesn't make it seem as annoying 
as when other women try to plant themselves as an object right. of desire. It lacks the desperation yeah. that it often comes with in, in, for other women. Which is so weird because desperation and longing is kind of at the core yeah. of her thing. That's so true. This reminds me of, can I um, yeah, steal yeah, our notes these. for a second? Because I had put in here um, uh, James Franco, who's a friend of hers. I thought you were going to say who's a friend of mine. <laughs> who's a friend of mine, yes. Um, he had this quote. He said, Lana lives in her art. And when she comes down to earth for interviews, it gets messy because she isn't made for this earth. She is made to live in the world she creates. She is one who has been so disappointed by life. She had to create her own world. Just let her live in it. Mm. So that's James Franco on Lana. And that's always been a quote that was always so interesting to me um, because I think it speaks to how this idea of like the male perception of Lana, mm. it's kind of like, she's just kind of just let her be mm-hmm. like, we don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is obviously a very like positive reading. Ultimately. That's, that's like, a I, positive reading. I think, yeah. but, but you can see how then another man would see that and be irritated. Yeah, definitely. You know? um, I think that the most generous reading of her is like, she's kind of divine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like that, mm-hmm. that, that quote kind of speaks yeah. to where it's just this like other world this otherworldliness yeah. that like is just beautiful, more beautiful if we don't try to enter it and we don't try to make yeah. her answer to ours. Yes, yes, yes. You know? And yes. so, but I think um, that can feel really threatening because it's like how few people get to live in their own world and just everybody else bows to it mm. rather than like... um set you know tries to puncture it or try to show how it's not answering to Mm. the real world or not fitting into it or something so okay this actually kind of brings me to a big question that I had which is how do we define Lana Del Rey's dream threat space can I just say yeah and (laughs) I feel like I can speak on behalf of a lot of your listeners um Mm -hmm. being a part of them um I really, and I, I really mean this, I find it really inspiring that you uh, tackle this question time and time again, what you f- feel threatened by in other oh. women. Um, it's something that your show has made me think about because I find it very hard to admit what threatens mm. me in other women. Mm. Um And I just find it, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate to what I'm saying, that Mm -hmm. like as someone who's kind of like a, like a strong character Mm -hmm. in my own life, (laughs) I'm kind of just like a strong, I just know because like my life has shown me that I'm like a strong personality um, and and kind of like a little force in my own life. Um, There's something that uh, I find it threatening to admit that I could even feel threatened. By another oh. woman, woman. Yeah. Um, so well, I don't. I, I don't think it's like polite conversation, kind of. No, admit, yeah. You know, like it's I, deeply vulnerable. It's very. It's yeah. deeply vulnerable. So I'm just. I just really. It's really uh, admirable and cool and interesting and big to oh, me that wow, you thank explore you. this and that you you use yourself as you know. You're like, okay, I think that this like <laughs> this is what Emrata has. I don't. <laughs> 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 Wow. Where do we begin? <laughs> yeah. No, it's really it's, it's it's something that I'm so so in, uh engaged with uh when I listen to Stargirl. Um well, okay, but you. back That's to the dream. Compliment. So the dream for me with Lana 
first of all, I think there's this idea of not being the strong woman. Mm -hmm. I think like a big thing of Lana's dream is kind of the allowance of being a vulnerable, um, yeah, melancholy person. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's, you know, I think deep in, in kind of the, like the girl boss, like dump him mm. do a leap on new rules like that kind of like in this kind of moment we're in time uh, I think there's something about Lana that kind of lets us all exhale a little bit like mm. oh yeah it's okay to just kind of be like to be the dumpy as opposed mm. to the dumper oh you know what I mean yeah um I think then there's like the whole as you were saying before like kind of the visual tapestry of Lana the uh, I think somewhere in, in our notes, I wrote mm-hmm. down that like Lana is the last American drive-in movie theater. Oh, that was so well put. That yes. is kind of for me the summation of how she makes me feel mm-hmm. and what goes on for me visually in my brain when mm-hmm. I think of Lana Del Rey. It's like she's the last girl at the movie, the drive-in movie theater. Oh yeah, she's the last car that pulls away. You know, kind of like even when the movie stops, she just can't kind of go she like, can't let go she can't yeah, let she's go she's so nostalgic she can't let go of the american dream i think another thing for me is there's something so deeply american about lana that oh, i find sure. really moving actually um and i've spoken about this on my show that like as the child of immigrants like i get uh, quite bogged down and irritated sometimes with the current kind of conversation especially in like kind of liberal America, which is kind of just like, fuck this place, like fuck America, this place is hell, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, as someone who grew up in a home where people deeply sacrificed to be here and kind of were just always like the American dream is so profound to me. It's really kind of a sacred thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's something really selfish about like stripping, um, stripping immigrants and stripping outsiders of that, that, idea mm-hmm. like you like I won't let you take that away from my family like mm-hmm. I won't let you take that away from the other kind of children of immigrants mm-hmm. like there is an American dream like it's a deep thing and I like that kind of Lana like the North Star remains mm-hmm. you know like she still sees that and I think for me that's a that's a kind of very deep deep thing <laughs> I well I mean, at the at the most like obvious level, absolutely agree. Like she is so intensely in, an American artist. Mm. There's like nothing global that she's flirting with. I in can't even any like, way. picture her in another country. 100%. Literally can't picture her like walking around another place. But I can see her in just about every American. Yeah, landscape. like I can't see her in Paris. I can't picture her like in Barcelona. Like I can't picture her anywhere. I can't see her walking around Tokyo. The only thing I could, the closest that I could see her is like on vacation in the Amalfi Coast with like sunglasses on Valium, which is just like a 60s idea of an American woman. Yeah, yeah, like Positano, like housewife. Yeah, like escaping her children in America. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that that kind of vibe. Yeah, but it, it is interesting how it's like she's so rooted in this soil that it's really hard to even think of her in, in, in any sort of place. adjacent to another place it's so it, I find that really interesting because I don't think that's true of most people especially in like this very globalized world we live in I feel totally. like I can picture everyone like I, I feel like Taylor Swift doesn't really make sense anywhere else than America but she's operating mm, on such true. a less like sensual like hers is kind of just so 
high production value kind of like she's American Girl Next Door. She's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. whereas like um, Lana to me is is the American like dream. It's like that idea of like this is what this country was supposed to be. You know no, what I mean? Like it's very much definitely. that. Like I actually can see them both, Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey, doing it very differently, but both with Minnie Mouse ears in like Disneyland Tokyo. You're so funny. Like I actually I can see <laughs> Lana on like a Polaroid with Minnie Mouse like looking sad and then I can see like Taylor Swift like smiling outside of the Cinderella castle doing peace sign with like whatever of her fans were there that day oh my god I can't even believe how quickly and distinctly you just sum that up I'm like yeah exactly that's like definitely the difference that's the same but differentness of Taylor and Lana thank you for summing that up Emma you are so welcome um another thing that I was going to respond to when you mm. were talking about like um, the American dream being something that you actually feel very deeply and sincerely mm. and get really irritated with like whatever you want to like like fuck this country rhetoric. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, not being the children of immigrants mm. at all yeah. I also have a distaste for the fuck this country mm-hmm. energy and because it just feels like why would we want to create a nation of people that are not sincerely loyal to it Mm. do you know what I mean like I that's actually like a massive abstraction that I don't know of I don't know what my emotions related toward it but it like um, when I think about it as like a problem of political theory I'm like hmm, that seems like hostile to the idea of a nation to engender this spirit that this is a bad place to be and that your number one feeling about your country should be embarrassment and guilt yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like wrong to me. It's dangerous. But it also, yeah, it speaks to this idea of patriotism as a concept, like of how we exactly. grapple with it, which is like in our, the current moment in our culture is really fascinating because like suddenly patriotism has become divided, um, like the right ought to be and is patri- patriotic and the, the left liberal is left is not. Um which to me is really dangerous because like in, you know, I think previous decades of America, decades I didn't even live through, but from what I understand of history, um, patriotism was an across the board sentiment, even with the difference in party lines. Totally. You know what I mean? That like, that you would be proud to be an American was an agreed upon sentiment, even if you would disagreed on your politics yeah totally um okay now i'm just thinking of do you remember those um aclu crop tops that said dissent is patriotic <laughs> oh my god it's so <laughs> it's so, like, so bad no I it's hate, probably like the worst thing i can I imagine hate, but no, i hate this shit i i really i just yeah i think like there's really because i mean it doesn't it speak to our most actually like fundamental want is to be a part of you know yeah, to totally. be a part of community like yeah patriotism is like it's it's tribalism it's like mm-hmm. one of the deepest parts of the human existence it's so instinctual to want it's so yeah. instinctual it's part of being part of the greater family right so to pretend that like that all of a sudden is like embarrassing that you should not aspire to that is crazy to me because i'm like then what yeah then what do you have you know, your your polyamorous relationship, like your ethical non-monogamy, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you have like the <laughs> the jail bond, like what like is this? cash app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry, we kind of got, so we went like down many layers in this hole and now I'm going to like dig up yes. and we will eventually get back to the through line. But on the like patriotism point, um, 
2023, do we think of Lana Del Rey as a right-wing artist or a conservative artist? Once we started talking about that, we Mm. realized like right-wing and conservative are so poorly defined. And Mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to like take on the project of defining those. Mm. But like, yeah, just where do you see her as like who she is speaking to? today i'm thinking of like the sparkly mask um controversy during covid yeah you know hmm. and just her general kind of like political apathy right i think like like definitely she was very apathetic to like a lot of like wokeism right which put her on and the whole her being like i'm not a feminist i'm not a feminist and then like like, when she was like dating the cop like And then, um, like, even the recent, like, Jack Donahue, like, posts up the, as the, as the, pr- at the prison, like, visiting family. You know, it's all of this. my favorite yeah. of all time, that <laughs> photograph. I literally want that photograph framed. Oh. I'm obsessed with that photo. I'm obsessed. Like, I want her to marry Jack Donahue, actually, more than, like, I want anything. <laughs> oh, my God. I would die for, like, a Salem Lana Del Rey track yeah i need that so i mean i'm I'm sure that that will happen i feel like this will be like a rising oh my god demand and then like one day will be met oh my god no that's insane like actually that just fucked me up just thinking about that that's so crazy that's like my two favorite things in life coming together oh god what were what were we saying oh my god oh well i just asked about like um like how she is politicized basically like do you think that she is like i don't know this is where i kind of get annoyed with like contemporary discourse because I'm just like why does everything have Mm -hmm. to be like why does everything have to be political and then b why does everything have to be political in a black and white way Mm -hmm. it it just for me I don't know as like a fellow artist it's like very kind of mentally taxing Mm -hmm. I feel like Lana wants to exist outside those lines and it's almost like we just won't let her and then she I don't know you know this is part of the keys to the kingdom thing that you talk about like Mm -hmm. when someone's handed the keys what do they do and I so badly want Lana to just put like put us all on mute Mm -hmm. like just Mm -hmm. don't engage like I I don't want I think she I mean I think she does that to a large extent no uh I think in recent years she's been engaging I think that's part of like the these kind of like long Instagram statements she keeps putting (laughs) out where she's just like why do you guys let like all these other artists blah 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 yeah like why can't there be space for a girl like me and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just like Lana don't engage like you know what I mean like just don't engage it's so much more dignified to just say nothing and dignified and it just again where we're talking about things that suit her like what you were talking about with Alex Earl Mm. where you're like it's so funny that like she gets like these controversies come up with her and her like brand partnerships and then she just like never addresses it and it's kind of like people forget that this is an option yeah it's (laughs) you could just keep doing it and I think with her it kind of reads as like aloof in almost like a lovable way it seems from what my kind of like it almost feels like she didn't, are you talking about Alex Earl? A- Alex Earl. Yeah, I've, Alex Earl. my read of it, it gives the impression of like she didn't even see it. Right. Sorry, she was just she was just out with her friends. She didn't yeah, see the thing. That's piece what I on mean. Her. It's, it's, with Alex Earl, you can assume. I, I get the sense that you can assume that like that kind of girl, like yeah, she, she was just she was getting drunk at brunch. Sorry, like, she was blacked she was, out. She, she was having bottomless see. mimosas. She did not see the latest Reddit thread. Like, but I think with Lana, it would give the culture this pause where we're like she's got to be seeing this. She's got it. Like, she's too knowing. She's too smart. Mm. She's got to be engaged. But then it's like, but she's choosing not to respond. And what does that mean? It would create this kind of, like, enigma that I think would suit her well. 
Okay, when you said this kind of like all-knowing thing, <laughs> I don't know why this is coming to me, but did you ever watch the PBS show Cyber Chase? Yes. She's getting such so motherboard crazy. energy. Oh my God. Wait, that's so crazy <laughs> that you would say that because Cyber Chase is actually a show that I watched a lot as a kid and no one ever talks about it. Like, you know how like um in like people have this like uh, collective nostalgia about like Hey Arnold yeah. and like Arthur. Arthur, yeah. um, Rugrats, mm-hmm. like uh, Cyber Chase was compl- has been totally forgotten. So actually, you just like really hit me at my like in my heart yeah. saying that. Okay, yeah, good. total motherboard energy. That's so. Because <laughs> I was just Shout complaining out. about people who are like mother Lana, but then like yeah. which I still do agree with. But like the motherboard, <laughs> that's a level I can yeah. actually be down with. Like I like thinking of her as more divine and godlike than like sublime sensual woman. Like, it's almost like, okay, well, this actually brings me back to the dream thread. So maybe yes. I'll get into yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I agree with what you were saying with about the dream. I'll give you my perspective on the threat. Yeah, I, please do. So we had brought up Mitski at the mm-hmm. beginning as someone who she's, like, illly compared to, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't agree with that, but some of the reasons that I – see her as a threat are similar to those I was talking about with Mitski. And so that would be like this over-indexing on like indulgence and melodrama, Mm -hmm. um, but her ability to make that artful. That's a very beautiful thing, but it feels threatening to me because it feels like unavailable in some ways. Mm. So what I was thinking about is like Lana's ability to like at least appear to choose indulgence and self-destructive and see Mm. those all the way to their bitter ends but make it attractive Mm. um is i is i guess what's threatening and so Mm. it's like she's kind of in some ways seen as like the height of sensuality and romance and experience Mm. um that uh i guess like for me i've never anytime that i've chosen or fallen into self-destructive behaviors be it like drugs like guys and friends that aren't actually like serving my best interests like being um lazy being like um leaning into like depression or something Mm. like that has never been a route that I could personally take to bring me into like art and beauty right it actually just it actually just didn't look good yeah Yeah, it actually was just bad did not move me forward in any way like obviously is like a useful part of life to then like reflect on and grow from and like make you an interesting textured person but it's not it it was never sexy when I was right self-destructive it's not gonna like enable you to bring something new into the world that's beautiful totally and so then there are like for some people Mm. for some artists Lana included Mm. what she gets to by being self-destructive is this like greater access to beauty Mm. and then to totally people seeing her as very sublime and wise and like attractive you know and so I think that that's what feels like the threat to me is like Mm. oh you have this ability to like go this Mm. route and still emerge with so much power and beauty to that point it's interesting to me that she never kind of dates celebrities really Mm. she's kind of always kept on like dating like like, yeah like random cop like just kind of you get this sense from Lana that she's going to keep living on the fringes a little bit Mm. you know not in a kind of extreme like you know shooting up in the street kind of a way but 
you do get the sense that she's kind of like, I need to keep having real life experiences so I can make my art. But in a way that doesn't feel, you know, really contrived or any, it just feels like it's really who she is. Like she wants to live. I don't know. I don't, is her Instagram bio still my lovemaking is my poetry? Oh, I don't know. But that that was great. her. That was literally her Instagram bio for the longest time. My lovemaking is my poetry, and I and I. It's so like it's so insane that she would have that be her Instagram bio. Like who else would do that? Like it's so yeah. it's so crazy and like embarrassing and wild. But like I'm like true. Yeah. Like Lana's lovemaking is her. Like you that is like you get that sense that she's like I need to live my life and that is my beauty like that is my art that's such a good point and I feel like I agree that it feels much less contrived than in other people like Mm. I think of Julia Fox as someone who is still very like loudly narrating the fact that like she's still a real person she still lives in her tiny messy apartment apartment like I'm still friends (laughs) with all my same old friends like you know like we've whatever but I think it ends up feeling much more contrived than it does with Lana Yeah. yeah And I, and, but I also think part of that is because Julia is clearly engaging with kind of like Hollywood society. Like she's dating Kanye. She's Mm. doing, you know what I mean? She's like in these blockbuster movies. Like it just feels like it does read as a bit, you know, phony, I guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Lana, it does kind of feel like, where is she? Like, you know, like where, like what is like, like, I feel like if I think of like an average, like if I'm like just sitting on a Thursday night and I'm like, what's Julia Fox up to? I'm like, she's at an event. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's out and about. She's out at like a club with like fame, other famous rich people. And like, she's getting photos taken. And I'm like, Lana's like, in her bedroom yeah Lana's like so bedroomy like she's yeah. just I'm like I don't think she's really out and about like I'm like she really might be like in at like a diner like it just <laughs> you know what I mean and that doesn't feel or like just like out on the open road yeah just like <laughs> driving around like rando like kind of like teenage behavior just like rando like lives really random <laughs> like quiet like yeah. And uh, there is something that I find relatable about mm. that. Um, but interesting, there is a, a, a threat, I guess, about it too, where it's like, uh, she can take this and make it a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas for a lot of people, it would become contrived really yeah. quickly. Or just looking bad. Or looking bad. Yeah, yeah. just like a mess. It's just yeah. not sexy. <laughs> just not know? sexy. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing I had put in our notes to talk about is like how her sexuality operates and yeah. I don't know I liked what you had said about it oh yeah the low yeah the Lolita the biker girlfriend the Hollywood whore um like I was all these tropes that she can all these tropes I was thinking a lot about um un, I would say underrated Lana tracks yeah. um fucked my way up to the top mm-hmm. put me in a movie mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, I think like she, you know, she's engaging with this idea of like being the younger woman falling in love with older men, mm. um, kind of not aspirational romances mm. in an objective sense. Like l- a lot of the relationships that Lana sings about are uh, quote unquote uh, uh, toxic, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like, un- like they look unhealthy. Mm-hmm. They and she's- don't you think there's like something that there's something like glamorous about that too either the way she's portrayed or just like people do it's totally lolita yeah lolita is a 
book about pedophilia, you know, <laughs> but like it has remained in our culture because there is something we can't look away. Like there's it's, something really glamorous. It's really, yeah. The heart-shaped glasses, like the whole that, that if you've read Nabokov's Lolita, you know what I'm talking about. Like that little girl is presented in this glamorous way. Mm-hmm. And I think like Lana, there's a real Lolita aspect to how she seems to show up sexually Mm. for us it's kind of like she's saying to us like I know what this looks like like I Mm. know that I'm not supposed to be doing this I know this is bad still it's beautiful Mm. and still there's a like a glamour about this sex appeal to it yeah sex appeal um yeah in in all of the different relationship power dynamics or whatever like the the biker girlfriend that you mentioned that's also like a a not okay yeah. type of man to chase, you know? And so... I mean, think of, like, ultraviolence. Right. Like, the lyrics of that song, um, you know, hit me and it felt like a kiss. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's just... There's something so not PC about Lana. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I think it gets to what you're saying. Like, it almost feels like uh she's so like we don't like the, she's so not of this time in society mm-hmm. it's like society like she's always kind of like off by several years and like we don't know what to do with her almost which is kind of interesting because in, in a way she sings about a lot of themes that the me too movement is about mm-hmm. but whereas the me too movement sees it through the lens of you know I mean, honestly, victimhood. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sees it through the sense of like uh, uh, an, an, an assault on another person's body. Yeah. Um, Lana kind of, not that she doesn't victimize herself because I think she does, but it's almost like n- she's kind of like, well, you know, it's hard to be a woman. <laughs> As opposed to like, you did this for to me, therefore you must suffer. And like, therefore you will be canceled. Like, yeah. it, She's for, not the type to sue anyone. Right. She'll never sue. No. Um, she's kind of just like, yeah, like it was like, I kind of wish that hadn't happened. Yeah. She doesn't see it as a crime, I guess. Yeah. Whereas the Me Too movement frames these things as crime. Totally. Two thoughts on that. One, I think we already kind of said this, but in general, she's like wholly uninterested in making the narrative swells of life and the textures of experience into political teachable lessons on any side. Like I think she doesn't, Mm. she's not wanting to be like boxed in in that way or like, you know, and then um, also what you were just saying reminded me of what we were saying at the very beginning about kind of her um, lack of, agency as a character in her Mm. songs like she's always kind of being done to and so I agree Mm. with you that in some ways she is um yeah like she's not the agent but she really enjoys being the kind of the one who gets like walked over or something or not enjoys but like there's not a sense of retaliation just because she has been like mistreated or something like what you said about like, like there's this is probably like overly reductive, but there's something that is just very feminine about the whole thing because she's yeah. not trying to assert herself or change the course of anything that's right. happening. She's just like jumping on the backseat of the motorcycle yeah. and saying like, take me anywhere. Yeah, I think there's a real I made my bed all lie in it quality mm. about Lana that I can't help kind of respect like I just find it 
you know, just personally, mm-hmm. I I kind of get turned off a little bit by victim mentality a little bit. No, and just I... kind of this idea of like, poor me kind of yeah. thing. I think there's something more uh, dignified a little bit about Lana and this idea of like, yeah, I did this to myself. And like, maybe why she's not so reactive Mm. is because for her, the reactiveness is the fact that she gets to make art about it. Mm -hmm. I really do think like she is like, yeah, well, you've, you hurt me and you walked all over me and you left me, but at least I get to like make this song. I'm just marinating on it. I'm a direct response. You also didn't, um, you never told me how you got into Lana and your kind of like personal attachment or connection to, to her yeah so um yeah also video games just okay into that so you I also like, go way back <laughs> yeah well I mean I think just that when that song came out it was like kind of unignorable yeah. right and yeah. like um that song is like so tumblr it's so tumblr me. oh my god yeah so I felt like and I was I mean the type of tumblr that I was involved in as a teenager was just reblogging like delicate tattoos and like girls looking away from the camera on like a stormy beach or something like I wasn't really <laughs> I was satisfied with that level yeah. I guess is what I'll say <laughs> so video games fit right in um and I was drawn to it but I think um the other things that were happening happening and kind of like high production value disruptive pop music at the time so like the weekend frank ocean like mm. those were much more just like where i was as a teenager mm. like i so i didn't get like enraptured by the lana universe i was mm. like video games like i liked that for that's born to die right that album like yeah i liked it but i had a i was never in the way that you were describing, I wasn't like, this is a woman that I also am. And I mm. like, I, I, and I still feel very different than her yeah. in almost every way. Um, though I have a great respect for her mm. and, um, really enjoy the world that she's painting. I mean, I just think her music is beautiful, I guess, but, yeah. um, I would say from like ultra violence until Norman Rockwell, Mm -hmm. I was not thinking about Lana at all. Like, the songs were on the radio. Like, I kind of, I got by osmosis. Like, I knew that she was still around. I wasn't entranced by her. I wasn't paying attention to how her look and sound were evolving. I was kind of like... um, like I made the the joke about my friend saying like, oh, I thought it was still lipstick and flower crowns. Like it wasn't yeah. those specific things, but I was like, okay, it's kind of giving like, you know, vignette filter Palm Springs. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Norman Rockwell is the first time that I like re-engaged and was like, oh, yeah. wow, I'm very That's an amazing record. Into this. Yeah. I think it's my favorite. Right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 It's definitely one of, if not the best, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think that was probably my favorite end to end. Mm. Um, but I like chemtrails as well. I liked this I this like recent one that just came out yesterday. Yeah. I like um, this one a lot, a lot. Yeah, what, uh, I didn't even think I would like it as much as I as you did. So, I think because I liked chemtrails so much mm-hmm. that I was like, she can't possibly be that Do another, prolific. Yeah. Like she can't possibly put out another amazing record within a year. Yeah, well, and, and then, then blue she, banisters insane. as well. Like, like yeah. no, like actually, she's so she's so prolific. prolific. She is a workhorse, and like, like that. Is, this is like what her ninth studio album yeah, or something dude. in like a decade. Yeah, and like honestly, I don't think she gets enough credit. Like, like honestly, like I love Rihanna. Don't get me wrong, that's my girl. Like I'm such a huge fan of hers, but like. 
she is not making art. Like, no. we're not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, Rihanna hasn't put music out in years. Yeah. Years. And, like, I just, and we also really live in a culture right now of, like, a single, a single, a single. And, like, Lana is just putting Fing out full, full albums. albums. And, like, that. That honest, are, like, real records. Real records. That are like, building con- something end to end. Right. Each yeah. one is its own little world. And, yeah. like, that to me is, like, if nothing else, I think you have to respect her for that. Like, mm-hmm. that that she is really an artist. She's a working full-time, this is what I do kind yeah. of art, art, yeah. an artist. Um, yeah. And so fun. At the end of this new one, the, like, Venice Bitch remix i guess yeah it's like so fun yeah yeah, yeah. it's really good yeah. um A&W i think i like chemtrails more than this one i i think it might be this one for me but i don't know if i'm just so excited because it just came out mm-hmm. so i'm like really riding the high right now yeah um i don't know like w is so crazy like this is being an american whore like, you know what i mean it's just like and the way she like switches that song up like your mom called. I told her. You're fucking up big time. Like, it's just so, like, I, there's so much, like, variety in this record mm. for me. But it at the same same time, it does feel like a contained work. I think I see... Okay, whatever. 24 hours in. Let's see how it, like, <laughs> let's see how it evolves. My first, on first listen, I think the variety and the kind of, like, device-ness yeah. of it was kind of took me out of it a little bit. Whereas, yeah. like, chemtrails to me, it's, like you press play and then it's like I'm transported and I'm just like disembodied in this one singular dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For an hour or yeah. something. And this one I was like, oh, okay. This changed song. up the beat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's definitely like this song Judah than Smith. this song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I was like, god. Okay, see what you're doing there. Yeah. Like, you know. So, yeah. Oh my god. Um, Pepper is so good. Oh my god. <laughs> Tommy Genesis and Lana such a fun combo um I just don't want this conversation to go by without us um talking a little bit about how she seems to self-perceive her place in the culture oh um this is really interesting to me and something I was thinking about a lot in the lead up to this conversation um I was kind of jumping down the rabbit holes of like the Lana controversies you know and the sentiment of those posts for her was like, you guys aren't making space for women like me. Mm-hmm. And um, she... Which is just kind of an annoying posture, even if it's true. Of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. Why not me? You guys don't understand me. She clearly feels very misunderstood by the culture at large. Mm-hmm. Um And she also brings up this idea of fragility. Mm. And she talks about how she doesn't feel like um, she's allowed to be fragile and that she's not allowed to kind of uh, disalign with feminism. Oh, but then interestingly... She's she- like so fragile to me. I think of her as like always bruised. Yeah, I think she just feels like society doesn't like a lot, like doesn't get her is okay. kind of what she's saying. Because she's saying like, I'm fragile. Like, why don't you guys get it? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Maybe we just uh, live in such a small world, but I'm like, I think Lana is like has such an intense and loyal like she's so beloved i know i think like it's like crazy to me that she can't see that and maybe she's just become a mascot for a very particular like online contingent Mm. that like you said like she doesn't have like hit singles you know Mm. like she's not actually chart topping well she's so beloved by her fan base in her statements who she's really addressing Mm -hmm. she says is like um female peers and female critics oh yeah 
So that was really interesting. And she also says men who hate women, which is so funny to me. Like, yeah, Lana, we all, all women feel misunderstood by men who hate women. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's not really like a radical statement. It's like, yeah, Lana, I too feel misunderstood no, by all men. all women who- feel like they're the particular type of women that men can't allow space for. Like, that's so funny, actually. But um, um, wait, on the female peers thing. Yes. This, I don't know. Like Taylor Swift, I guess, like called out Lana's album on her tour yesterday. What what she said? She was just like, eh, like Lana's like the best working artist that we have. Everyone oh. in the stadium needs to like buy, support, stream, wow. whatever. Which I feel like is a very Taylor Swifty move because she's yeah. just like so rooted in good girlness like and being like girls, a, girl. a girls girl. She's totally. You know? Um, but so that could be just more of a PR move for herself. But like, I think. Probably actually Taylor Swift has power to make Lana more mm. of a, like you a know, commercial, a commercial success. success. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've been marinating on this idea that like it doesn't seem that Lana, it's almost like Lana just accepts the fact that men don't understand women. Mm. Like she kind of is yeah. just like, yeah. We're two different types. We're two. Yeah. Like we're like literally men like from Mars and Venus, whatever. Um, but I think that she she seems, from my understanding, she seems to feel deeply hurt that women don't understand. Or like for mm. the, there, there, are, there is a group of women that doesn't seem to like her. I think yeah. that seems to be a big. She wants more friends. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's also just like well I mean we're both white women so it's it's I don't even really know that I even want to dive down this rabbit hole but a lot of the discourse is about her even bringing up fragility mm-hmm. and this and then a lot of the women that she's referencing like why do you guys let blah 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 and you guys stand these women but not me and several of the women she brings up are black artists mm-hmm. The discourse then became like, how dare she really? Like, how dare she um, at all question the kind of cultural standing of her black peers and be like, woe is me, fragile white woman. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, it's almost like the most annoying stance that Mm -hmm. you can take as a white woman. Um, It was interesting because that's a lot of the crux of the, the controversy is like her responding to that and being like, it's not about race, mm-hmm. you know, like for like that, like she was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that this has become like a racial discourse. But then everyone, but then that just piles it on. Yeah. And then yeah. it piles on. It's like, how dare you um, as a white woman say that it's not about race, but then you're questioning, like she at one point questioned um, the allegiance that the public felt towards FK Twigs. Oh, and and people were just like are you out of your mind like it was just like because she was just like when fka twigs pole dances like you guys are like she's an artist but when i do it i'm like i'm trash and blah 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 and people were like she's a trained dancer like what you know what i mean and why are you always kind of asking about the cultural standing of your black peers Mm. no i think it's Um, interesting i mean i think lana's is so rooted in her perspective always, which is what one of the things that makes her music and the aesthetic world of it so distinctive. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense to me that that she retains her perspective when she's answering to like media or culture at large, right? And so these kind of 
I mean, what one could see as like unforgivable blind spots around like race or whatever. Um, I'm not surprised that Lana would do that. You know, yeah. like she's not making music that's trying to appeal to anything other than her own senses, mm. you know. And so, you know, part of that is going to be it's concerned with white America. Mm. It's concerned with like mm. things that she embodies or pursues. Right. And so I think um, her art would be worse if she tried to adopt anyone's uh, anyone's perspective or experience other than her own. Right. And so I just think that that is something that we want of art for it to embody a distinct perspective. But it's not something that we want of celebrities right. when they're like in – Right. discussion about the world right? right so like she's failing to transpose her artistic point of view into a palatable interview subject point of view right you know like she just refuses to do the talk track and I think part of what you're saying is that would be fine but unfortunately now she's gotten to this other level of trying to like explain herself right which is just which, unsavory yeah and opens her up to more criticism yeah it, 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 that's the thing it's like it's clearly not working for her (laughs) like it's just like what are you doing it's like she's foot in mouth it's yeah it's real foot in mouth moment um and it speaks to um something that you discuss on star girl which is like the looking aroundness oh yeah because lana kind of like you don't want her looking around eyes on the prize eyes on the prize you're in a league of your own like stick with it you don't have peers like and now all of a sudden she's like asking of the culture like what's different why are you separating me from my like what kind of like what do you why do you give these women the hall pass and me not Mm. um why am I so problematic to you and it's kind of just like Lana don't you know don't indulge yeah like you know kind of I'm just like look like like, I just kind of like want to swat her like I, I get this almost like you know like like um do you have a sister? I do, yeah. So I'm sure you can relate um, as a woman with a, like with sisters. Like sister, oh, that reminds me of like when it's like as a father of a daughter, as a, fa- as a woman with a sister. Yeah, as a woman, <laughs> literally, literally. Oh my god, that's so funny. I literally just father of a daughter right now. Um, but it is a thing that like when you have a sister, there's something about sisters where like. Uh, in addition to the general ego check that siblings all I think do for each other, um, sisters have this like this thing about them where it's also just like sisters help you keep in check like what you ought to indulge other people with Mm. like my sister has this real ego check with me where it's just like you don't owe that to anyone Mm. you don't need to explain yourself Mm. like you can tell your boss this and not say sorry at the Mm. end of it like she kind of keeps me in check with my kind of pride and this Mm. kind of like you don't need to give yourself to everyone. Mm. Um, maybe it's just my sister because she's like amazing and so smart and dignified. Aww. I don't know. But I but I, I get the sense that sisters kind of help each other with that in general. Kind of like if you have a good relationship with your sister, it's like, why are you sending that long text? Just yeah. say no. Kind of, you know, like sisters have this thing where it's just kind of like, what are you, stop, stop looking like a fool. Yeah. Like you're doing this thing and you think it's helping yourself or helping others and you actually, it just makes not. you look bad. Yeah. And sisters kind of can't bear for the other to look bad. Like it's like, girl, you're bringing the whole kind of like 
quality of the family down. Like, you know what I mean? Like rise to the occasion. Like that's maybe, maybe that's an Albanian thing. Shout out. Um, no, but, no, no. I definitely yeah, get that f- feeling you know? of just like, don't dilute the power of the tribe. Yes. Bring, let's bring it back up. Yeah, babe, yeah. Like, babe, it's not good. Like, yeah. stop. Just like, stand just, up straight. Just, just stop. Like, yeah. you're good. Just shut the fuck up and you will look better. I promise. And like that, I have that impulse towards Lana mm. where I read these statements and I'm like, babe, stop, babe, stop. You're making us all look so bad. <laughs> And you're like, you're so loyal, so you're going to like see it. That's how I feel with Addison, where I'm just like, I will ride this out. I wish I didn't see this image. I like, like, it's almost like I feel like uh, it's like I'm her agent or something. And I'm like, all right, you didn't follow my directions. Yeah. We are still under contract, so I will see it through. Yeah. Also, like, wait, that's actually good that you bring up the idea of like an agent. Because I'm like, what is Lana's PR team? Like, what are oh they? God, I should have done more homework on, like, no. who her team is. No, I never even yeah. thought to ask this until this moment. Because that's the thing. Like, she gives us that energy of, like, there is, there there's is no, no team. team. There's no <laughs> there's team. There's no team. It's like, uh, when I think of Lana. It feels like she, like, drew a pic, like, for her album art. She yeah. Was, she does a sketch. And she was like, so I was thinking it's, like, me superimposed on a car. <laughs> and then it says, Lana Del Rey in red. And they're like, okay sure no and it's like like neil krug is like the photographer that she Uh like has been working with for years and i'm a big fan of his work so like when i think of like the lana team i think of like literally like neil krug her sister who 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 is her sister um i think her name's charlie right charlie grant okay um and she takes a lot of like her photos and stuff like she they work she works quite closely with her sister so like the team to me is like neil her sister and like maybe like two producers (laughs) and like jack now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, totally yeah so it's like where like who what i can't even imagine what like a publicity phone call with lana Mm -hmm. del rey would be like (laughs) i really can't even i don't think she would like be that participatory (laughs) She'd like, mm-hmm. like she'd kind of just be listening oh, and she'd like, be like no you don't understand me <laughs> <laughs> she'd like go home and then just journal about how misunderstood <laughs> she felt <laughs> yeah she is so she's like so just i'm just a fucked up girl i know you know i wonder like she is though i will say like you talk about on Stark. I'm sorry. I keep talking about what you talk about. Uh, <laughs> no, I love but it. But you, you do discuss um, longevity on the show and oh, kind yeah. of like how how uh, the length of their reign. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's the word. That's yeah, the, that's reign. what you say. The the length of their reign. And I do kind of have faith that Lana's is going to be long. Mm. Um, and I am curious. Um, I just to, think she'll make work till the day she dies. She I feels think like so that too. kind of artist. I think yeah. so too. And I really admire that. And I'm curious to see the, kind of the iterations it they ta- it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and because her work is so self-referential mm-hmm. and kind of like connected to her personal life, like I'm <laughs> curious about like the mother era. Like like actually like when she becomes a mom at some Do you point. Think she will be? If she will. Like I don't know. Obviously yeah. I'm not that presumptuous but if if she were to get married or if she were to have children like what would her art become like it, it, it yeah. and that that is kind I feel of like she won't become a mother really well one she's like in her late 30s not that you can't have a baby in your 40s but it feels like I don't know I guess my huh. my interesting if I was to like put money on a narrative arc I think it's that she doesn't become a mother and that her music is very consumed by like I didn't do like I'm all not the like yeah the lack of motherhood and the like huh. not ever fulfilling on that 
uh, like that's feminine duty or yeah. something. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> duh, obviously I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like the, the longing could continue to play out in like a, a at once a like deep reverence for like mother as a concept mm. and like a failure to live it out mm. that feels connected to the like larger pathos that we were talking about of like mm. declining America mm. and like I'm not sure yeah it's kind of like I want <laughs> I want to see like the music Lana makes about, you know, societal collapse. Like when global warming, like when cities in America are underwater, like Lana's album is the one I want to listen to. I think she's going to do a sick Atlantis vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we got through so much. <laughs> I've been uh, talking for so long. I like don't even want to see the time clock. Um, do you have anything else? <laughs> I mean... I guess the only thing to say is that like the length of this conversation and the fact that we probably could just keep going oh, forever yeah. speaks to kind of how vast and fascinating the world of Lana is. Yeah. Like honestly, I you could probably do several episodes about 100%. Lana Del Rey and you could have different guests and every episode is going to be a completely a different, different read yeah a different conversation you're going to have different like cultural um context that's being brought up like I think that no matter what your feelings on Lana or whether you like like her music or not I think like that alone is something to be um thought about yeah. you know it's something to to ponder is like wow like she is this treasure trove she's such a treasure trove. she is yeah. a treasure trove of like emotions and memories collective and textures yeah and, yeah collective memory like individual memory she just i it's kind of fascinating how much of a star girl she is she oh, really she, is. she really captures what you are exploring in oh. this project <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's like she's so interesting because she's not even one of my like personal like you know like I think of the people that I've talked about so far like Lena Dunham Gia Addison are the people mm. where it's like I hold them so I check on them when I wake up you know mm. like that level Those of kind like of parasocial yeah. like yeah yeah um if I were to like triangulate myself I'm like, yeah. feel like I mean that doesn't end up looking so good for me if I was a mashup of those three but um <laughs> it's like looking crazy but um that is a crazy <laughs> dream blunt rotation <laughs> here we go again honestly I wish I was like one of those four sisters like I wish I was doing little women with me Gia Lena and Addison oh my god that would be insane Emma <laughs> that would be insane <laughs> I can't even imagine what that plot line would be that is so bonkers. <laughs> um, anyways, but um, so Lana's not like one of the, of the that right. level to me. And she's, still, she's like one of the most star girly star girly. Right. Yeah. She and, really is. Yeah. Um, so I know you said you didn't you didn't have one, but do, I'm going to ask again in case something's coming to mind. Mm. What's your favorite Lana song? Oh, no, I do have a favorite song. Oh, okay. I okay. don't I don't have a favorite record, but I have a favorite song. Okay, what's your favorite song? It's not the most popular favorite Lana song to have, but Burning Desire. Okay. Burning Desire is my favorite Lana song. 
I think the feeling and the atmosphere that is evoked in that song for me captures the entire essence mm. of Lana's aura. Like if you're kind of like, I don't, I have never really, never really did a deep dive into Lana or like, I'm still trying to figure out what it's all about. Like start there. I would, yeah, I would put on burning desire. There's just something like it, it sh- that whole, that song is about desire. Mm-hmm. Like it's about the feeling of having desire. And I feel like that is kind of at the core of a lot of Lana's poetry and, and songs is this idea of I want to want mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I long too long. I yearn to yearn. What do you have a favorite Lana song? Oh, this is so yeah, exciting. I think my favorite is Happiness is a Butterfly. You're so funny for that. That's is that a bad one. That's so funny to I me. I just think it's so pretty in that. That yeah. is so just like that so captures to me like you as a person <laughs> and then like Burning Desire I feel like is so like me <laughs> and like our different kind of energies. Wow, that's so yeah, funny. That's definitely my favorite. Those are those songs I feel like are opposite ends of like the Lana spectrum, like vibe Probably and everything that's like yeah. contained within. Yeah. I also like the, just the first song on Norman Rockwell. Is that just called Norman fucking Rockwell? The first track? I don't remember. I, don't I say it as like a mon. I mean, I also think that song is beautiful, but there's a line where she says like, your poetry's bad and you blame the news. Yes. I literally the say that to myself as, as a mantra. When I'm just like, wow, the world is so boring. When I get too obsessed with the two tunis. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait. Yeah. Your poetry's bad and you blame the news? <laughs> Pull out the mic. Try again. You know? I literally, I honestly do use it as like a maxim. I'm glad you said that because I think that's one of the great Lana lyrics. Yeah. That is such a Lana line. Okay. Um, any la- any final words? Um, well, one, oh God. Oh my God. You yeah. really could keep talking about Lana. This is so fucked up. Maybe I should just stop. Okay. I'm just going to say this one thing and then you can cut it out, whatever. Um... <laughs> As someone who thinks a lot about the LA versus New York divide. Oh my gosh, I didn't even go into this. I know, dude. I just, it just came into my mind because when I was thinking of iconic Lana lyrics, I heard in my head like in Heroin where she's like, Topanga's hot tonight. And Lana has really cemented herself as as like- Los Angeles artist. Yeah. Yeah. And like, honestly, like on some, like she's the new Joan Didion shit. Mm. Like she really, like I think like Joan Didion like carried the torch for a long time with yeah. the west coast of like i am the person that has who's, who's describing ca- this world describing this yeah place. and i famously left new york yes you know exactly. like i did a hard exit early in my career yeah. yes mm-hmm. and now i think lana she kind of handed the baton to lana um not obviously in any direct sense but um or i actually wonder if they ever met i would kill to be a fly on the wall like for i that really need to see a photo of that yeah I put in our notes my one of my oh my god so far from the mic um ah, where is it oh okay so this is one of my favorite Joan Didion quotes um a place belongs forever to whoever claims it hardest remembers it most obsessively wrenches itself it wrenches it from itself shapes it renders it loves it so radically that he remakes it in his image. Um, that's a quote from the white album. And I just, to me, that is so speaks so directly to Lana and what she's doing for frankly, America at large, Mm -hmm. but like really specifically for the West coast, for Mm -hmm. LA, for, um, and it's interesting to me that like she 
couldn't do that for New York. Like her her sense of, because you really get a sense from Lana that yeah. she feels so disconnected from New York. She almost seems to feel kind of rejected by New York. Yeah, I can see that. Um, she could, You get this sense that like LA embraced her and I don't know... Um, the you know if you guys have heard uh like her la who am i to love you mm. it's kind of her like spoken poetry kind of a thing mm-hmm. and i love la who am i to love you and it's interesting because it used to be on spotify now it's not oh, and i'm like why well who what was the yeah executive decision yeah. to take it off is really fascinating to me but it is on youtube um but if you just listen to that kind of like track if you will or spoken word piece um I think it really, really captures like Lana's love for LA. Like she, it almost like she almost seems to see it as like it's almost too good for her, and she's kind of like, oh, I can't believe you guys let me in. Totally. Like I can't believe I get to be here. Kind mm-hmm. of is like she seems to have this kind of like literally LA. Who am I to love you? No, like, it's so I don't deserve you. Oh, she yeah. almost loves it so much that she feels undeserving of its beauty. Mm-hmm. And then she brings up New York and how she's kind of never going back. And she's yeah. like fuck the new york post <laughs> yeah it's so love lettery to mm. la like obviously the image you know it's always in her videos like palm trees cars on the open road yeah. beach highway right like desert like it's all so in that that's the world of it yeah um but it is an additional it's not just like that's the backdrop like that's actually in many ways the the thing yeah. you know and i think that obviously feeds so naturally into her like post-war Americana energy, you know, of just like kind of, it's almost like manifest destiny, right? It's like Mm. the promise of the West and the Mm. grandness of the West that the East Coast for all of its like, I don't know. The East Coast just doesn't have that kind of the open frontier beauty and, and yeah, and certainly frontier and even just kind of like, um the east coast just the natural world of it i'm from seattle i don't know if you know Mm. and i don't feel very related to seattle culturally at all anymore but Mm. i do think that anytime i go back home or to the west coast in general i'm like i'm so devastated in the face of the natural beauty of the world Mm. because it's just so big and scraggly and just like horrifying kind of Mm. and like the like the atlantic coastline by comparison is just like sad it's like there's no cliffs Mm. there's no waves that could devour you whole there's no mountains Mm. there you know like it's not so dramatic it's just not so dramatic yeah huh so yeah that does seem to be an ideal backdrop for lana's sound and it makes sense kind of in that didion-esque way Mm -hmm. that she would make her make it kind of an image of herself and herself an image of it this kind of like can't separate herself from from the environment totally um, yeah yeah definitely mm. um okay well thank you so much for coming on this thank was so wonderful it's such such an honor truly oh, such an honor to be on stargirl never thought i'd get to say the words oh thank you so literally like <laughs> that is psycho <laughs> this, is like, this is uh a career highlight yeah. for me <laughs> okay well let's try to like let's not let this be the peak <laughs> We are actually sitting on the floor. <laughs> um, thank well, you for yeah. having me. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, you guys, I will link Nisa's 
podcast yeah. can't take me anywhere yeah um a treasure trove in and of itself so please yeah. listen and support her patreon thank you <laughs> oh that's sweet thanks and come to her parties which oh, i'm yeah. sure she'll throw more of oh my god it's exhausting but i'll try yeah <laughs> but um yeah and i'm this albanian life on instagram if yes. you guys want to come to my well. my cyber party yeah <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Oh my God. Well, my Mac is now like officially on low battery. All right. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, enjoy the weekend listening to Lana Del Rey and I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.